Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Heavenly Father, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And above all else, Lord Jesus, set our hearts on fire with a love for you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Please, uh, please be seated. And uh, if you uh, if you have your Bibles with you, um, which you should because you're at home. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, open to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. Genesis, Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18. So we're gonna we're gonna work out of this passage today to talk about how we hear. God's voice. Deacon Ashley talked about this two weeks ago, and I want to build on the foundation that she laid for us because this is a significant question for us. How do we hear God's voice? What kind of things does God say? Does he even speak anymore? And if he does, who does he speak to? These are, these are more than questions. They're natural longings because we desire guidance in a confusing world. I mean, who wouldn't want that from an all-knowing and all-good God? But I propose that we also desire to hear the voice of God because we long to hear the voices of those whom we love. And so a longing to hear the voice of God is actually a longing to know him. My father died when I was nine years old. Uh, He had lung cancer. And I remember one time growing up after my dad's death, I had a, I had a tape recorder in my closet. And, uh, you know, one of the silver ones that had the buttons at the bottom, there was like play and pause and rewind and fast forward. And then there was a little, you had to hit record and play at the same time. And you could record over the, uh, over the tape that was in there. Um, and I remember pulling out this tape recorder and pressing the play button. And I heard my dad speaking. Back then, my dad used to dictate letters and correspondence, and his secretary would type them up and, uh, and then mail them. I know this is, if you don't know these words that I'm using, mail, tape recorder, we can go through this later. Um, but, but he would give the old cassettes uh, to me afterwards so I could record music on them and make mixtapes with like the Fresh Prince and The Cure. And uh, uh, in this particular cassette, uh, I had not recorded over. And he was reading financial statements, numbers, second quarter, profit and loss. And I would sit and listen to it over and over. When it clicked at the end, I would rewind to the beginning and play it again. Why? Well, there's always been a hole left by his absence. In so many moments of my life, I have longed to be able to talk to him. When I fell in love with a beautiful country girl from Wilson, North Carolina, I wanted to ask him how he knew that my mom was the one for him. When I was learning how to use the grill, I wanted to have him teach me how to cook raw meat. He had a workshop in our garage, and um, and when I started building things and working with wood, I hungered for him to be in that shop with me. Yes, I longed for advice and him to tell me how to do things, but even more, I wanted him. I missed him, not just what he could give me. And this is 
true also for our relationship with our God. Our true longing is not just for how he can answer our questions, but for our Father, our Creator, our God. This is why, friends, that when we're discussing hearing the voice of God, our discussion must always come back to Jesus, who is both the God who is speaking and the message that God is saying. He is the Word made flesh, as we discussed at length over the Christmas season. Even this passage today from the Old Testament is about Jesus. Let me me explain. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses' last will and testament. God had raised up Moses and made him the leader of the people of Israel to lead them out of captivity in Egypt. And early on in their journey out of Egypt and to the land that they'd been promised, the people recognized a serious issue, the holiness of God. Now, God's beautiful holiness is not the problem. It is, it's the fact that the people recognize their own sinfulness. And seeing their sinfulness in comparison to his holiness made them shudder in fear. And they needed a mediator. Someone to stand between them and their sinfulness and God and his holiness. Look at Deuteronomy 18 verse 16. So this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly. When you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. This great fire that they speak of represents the terrible holiness of God. Terrible because when we have a true understanding of ourselves, we realize that we do not deserve to be in the presence of something so righteous, so pure, so beautiful. The people even said, we will die. And this is an important point for us to recognize. When we are longing to hear the voice of God, we're not addressing him as an equal nor is he somehow indebted to us. We have no place to demand anything from him. He has given us everything, life itself, breath in our lungs, blood coursing through our veins, synopses firing in our heads. He's given us the beauty of creation and sunsets and fall leaves and in spring new sprouts and in blonde-haired girls from Wilson, North Carolina. He's given us cheesecakes by Alex. He is holy. And we are not. He is righteous, and we are not. He is God, and we are not. But God becomes even more amazing when we see that even in his untouchable splendor, where the Bible says that he dwells in light inaccessible, that he loves us, that he allows us to come to him, and even more miraculously, wants us to come to him, to hear his voice, and to speak to him like a father wanting his child to know him. And so he gives the the Israelites the mediator for which they ask. First, it is Moses who would go up on the mountain or into the holy place and hear the words of God and then bring the truth of God to the people to help dictate not only what their next steps would be on the journey to the promised land, but also to teach them how to interact with God through the worship practices and sacrifices and rituals. And so the work of the mediator was both tactical in decision-making and relational in how the children of God would interact with God. Much like our parenting is both tactical and relational. 
But there's an even greater mediator than Moses. Again, Deuteronomy is the last will and testament of Moses who is about to die. And the Israelites have depended upon him as their prophet. And he prophesied here in Deuteronomy 18 that there would be another like him. Jump back to verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. But for 1,500 years, there was never again a prophet like Moses who entered in the presence of God and came back to the people with the same degree of glory and authority. There were many prophets, people like Isaiah and Elijah, Jeremiah, Malachi, many others. But these prophets all referred back to the law and truth given to the people through Moses. There was never another like Moses who gave the same kind of revelation to the people that was this intimate this authoritative, and the people longed for it. That's why when John the Baptist came preaching to prepare the way for Jesus, the people asked him in John chapter 1, are you the prophet? And in John chapter 6, the people hear the teaching of Jesus and they say, they they saw the sign that Jesus had done and they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. There were prophets, but then there was the prophet. The one who would come like Moses to bring the truth of God to the people and even rewrite the law of God. And this is Jesus, God himself, who would come to reveal both God's word and fulfill God's word. John 1 continues to say this about Jesus. It says in verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God that the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So Jesus speaks the words of truth and guidance, but also brings the presence of God. He makes God known, not just the tactical things that we need to do. I want to hear God's voice because I would need to know if I should apply for this job or for that school or what I should do. But, but God is revealed through Jesus Christ, the person, the relationship. God is not a faceless Google search where we just type in our question and we hope we get an answer. He's our Father. Jesus speaks the words of truth and guidance and brings the presence of God. And when Jesus' time on earth was coming to an end, he said in John 14, listen to this. John 14, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Again, this fatherly language, a verse that has always struck me personally. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, Jesus said. Because I live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. We don't have time to unpack this today, but just hear his language of we're going to be in one another. This closeness, this relationship. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Most significantly, Jesus dies in our place to forgive our sins, to make us holy, to restore us to God if we repent and believe so that we will not say we do not want to hear the voice of God or else we will die, but rather that the voice of God is our place of life and joy and welcome. 
So listen, all of this theological discussion that we're having here is, is, is pointing to the fact that not only does God speak, he has gone through great pains to do so. And every aspect of his being is wrapped up in the process of revealing who he is and what he is doing and speaking to his people. In the passage from John that we just read, Jesus said that through his resurrection and ascension, he is the great mediator who not only allows us to enter the presence of God, but also brings the presence of God to us through the sending of the Holy Spirit. And then what is the Holy Spirit going to do? Well, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us all things and help us remember the things that Jesus has said, which are the words of the Father. All that to say, the entire Trinity is involved in the speaking of God. God does speak, and he speaks closely, not only with words of wisdom, but with the comfort of his presence. But also... God's accessibility does not negate God's holiness. And that means when we hear the voice of God, he will say things that challenge our thoughts and our opinions and our preferences. And our listening should be conforming to God's image, not making him say our thoughts. So, does God speak? Yes. Does he still speak? Yes. So what is he saying? Let's ask some really practical questions here. What is he saying? When God is speaking, he is teaching the truth of who he is, what he is doing, and then how we live in relationship with him and the world in which we live in. God's word is unchanging. It's authoritative. It's revealing. Everything he is saying can be found in Jesus Who is God? What is the meaning of life? How do we know God? How do we live righteously? How do we seek justice? How can I be a good father, mother, sister, brother, boss, employee, student, child? What he is saying is Jesus. That when we know him, long for him, and when we turn to him, when we seek him first, all of these other things will be added to us as well. So what is God saying when God speaks? He is saying his word, written and incarnated in Jesus. So how is your relationship with the word of God? Do you read it? Do you recognize it in the sacraments? Do you you strive to be in the presence of the word that you may hear the voice of God? So that leads to the next question. Where do we find the word of God? Well, first, God's word is written. It's in the scripture. This book is living and active, is the way that it describes itself. Not just a chronicle of historic events, but the the conduit through which God still reveals himself. He invites us into life with him, and he speaks to our hearts. And truth does not come from within ourselves, but from the God who has revealed it. This is contrary to to the way that the majority of our Western culture now thinks. Truth does not come from within ourselves. Truth is revealed from the God who created truth itself. This is why people died to translate this book into the language of the people. This is why many people have risked their lives to smuggle it into forbidden countries. This is why it is the center of who we are as Christians. So God's word is written in the scripture. God's word is visible in the sacraments. 
In baptism, we touch, taste, and see the biblical truths of the washing of sin, the entrance into the church as the Christian family, and the pledge of faith in following God. In the Eucharist, we take part in the broken body and blood of Christ in a mysterious way as we share a family meal, looking backward at the events of the cross and forward to the wedding supper of the Lamb and revealing the present communal nature of God and the gospel. The sacraments are the word visible, tangible, experiential. But the sacraments only have an effect because they are a participation in the authoritative word of God. So God's word is written. God's word is visible. God's word is shared in his people. He is speaking to you right now through the proclamation of his word. He speaks to you through the voices of the great tradition of the church who teach us through their example and their writing. He speaks to you through other Christians who have in them the Holy Spirit and give wise counsel and encouragement and love. But the community does not make up the truth of God. The source of truth is not our opinions and our feelings and our intellect. We are dependent upon the word of God revealed. And any counsel or reading or teaching, if it is from God, must conform to the truth revealed in the scripture. Because God does not speak out of both sides of his mouth. But he does speak to his community. We were never meant to be Christians alone. Or to work through the difficult life of living for God in a broken world by ourselves. That's why the church is a gift from the Lord, that we can do this together and that he can speak to his people through his people. God's word is written, God's word is visible, God's word is shared, and God's word is heard through prayer. Through the liturgy we pray together that has been shared for thousands of years and today is prayed by hundreds of millions of Christians across the globe. He also sometimes speaks to us individually in our own devotion and prayers But be careful. Just because you hear a voice does not mean it is God's voice. Whatever we hear in prayer, we should confirm using the other gifts that God has given us. Most importantly, the word of God written, but also the discernment of other Christians and how what we are hearing is in line with all those who have gone before us. In a different church where I was, where I was the pastor, um, a member of our church, we'll make up a name for him. We'll call him Jim. If your name is Jim, this is not about you here at Redeemer. Um, but we'll call him Jim. So Jim was lovingly and gently confronted by another member of the church for a behavior that was, we'll just say, detrimental to his health and the health of others. So Jim came to the deacon of our church angry and told the deacon that he didn't feel like he needed to stop what he was doing, and he asked what our deacon thought. And so our deacon said, well, honestly, Jim, uh, I, uh, I agree with the other guy. <laughs> you, you need to stop this behavior. He even opened up the word um, in the scripture to be able to show him, here's your behavior, here's where it's outlined in the scripture. No, that was a loving thing that one of your fellow church members came to talk to you and confront you gently about these things. So Jim left that meeting with the deacon, um, and he came to me as the pastor of the church. And he said, look, I was confronted by this guy. I disagreed, so I went with the, to the deacon. The deacon said that he agreed with the first guy. Well, uh, I, uh, I disagree with the deacon as well because I've been praying about this, and I have just not heard God tell me to stop. So I said to him, how is God supposed to tell you to stop so that you will actually hear him? 
You want me to throw a brick through your window with a stone tablet tied to it that says, stop? Uh, You have prayed and the Lord has sent you three men whom you trust, who have shown you God's word and why this behavior is harmful and needs to stop. He has spoken to you. You just won't listen. So Jim decided that he heard the Lord's voice clearly telling him that he should leave our church. We are in a dangerous place when we pray about important decisions or ideas and we await for a response from God without spending time in the scripture, taking part in the mysterious work of the sacraments and working through things in community. In our passage from Deuteronomy, God tells us that we will hear voices and advice and false truths that are not from him. He's so serious about it that he says this, a pro- this is verse 20, but a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. That's pretty significant. Please don't put people to death if they give you bad advice. Just take it to the scripture uh, and let God deal with that. He tells us later in, uh, in the scripture in 1 John 4, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That's how we started this sermon. When we want to hear the voice of God, our conversation must always come back to Jesus. But what I want you to see as well in all of this is that when we listen for the voice of God in isolation, the voice we most oftentimes follow is the voice of our own desires. And we know when the counsel that we receive is from God, if it is in conformity to his revealed truth in the scripture. Most oftentimes, God does not speak with audible messages. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm not saying he can't. But most oftentimes, he does not. But instead, the Bible tells us that the way that God works is that he grants us wisdom. So instead of praying, should I take this job or should I not take this job? And we're just saying, just say yes or no. Yes or no. What what we do is that we spend time in Scripture. We work through things in community. And sometimes that means working through disagreements and things. um, And then we make our decisions. There's no bricks through the window, no booming voice of God in our heads. It's scripture, it's prayer, it's community and action. Because how God answers our prayers oftentimes is to give us wisdom. And that wisdom helps us make the right decisions. So in all of this, as we start to come to a close, one question that we must ask ourselves is if if we really want to hear the voice of God, How much time are we spending actually listening? How many hours of listening, watching, studying do we do with other voices? Whatever your voices of choice are, Fox News, CNN, gossip magazines, trash television, Disney movies, business books, podcasts, talk radios, whatever else that it is. I'm not saying that all of these things are bad all the time, although anyway, uh, some of them are bad all the time. But what I am saying is that when we question why we have not heard the voice of God, I would ask why we are making him shout over the top of all the other voices. Why are we giving them priority? Why are we giving them time? Why are they taking up hours and hours and hours of our week? And then we turn angry with God saying, I don't feel like you're speaking to me. Are we truly listening? Is our worldview being shaped by everything other than God? And then we're asking God to bless what our worldview has created. 
Or are we asking God to help us see reality as it truly is through his lens, truth through his revelation? And then asking us how to interact with all of these other voices according to who his truth is and who Jesus is. So what do we take from all this? Does God speak? Yes. Will he speak to you? Yes. What is God saying? Jesus. His person and his work, his example and his truth. And so how do we hear? As the Holy Spirit works through scripture and sacrament and community and prayer. But we actually have to listen. And then what do we do with what we hear? Worship. Worship at the holiness of God and the beauty of his truth. We repent in recognizing our sin and how far away we are from the holiness of God. We rejoice that Jesus has has, uh, died an atoning death to make up that gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness. And we act. We be doers of the word, as the scripture says. But slow down, because wisdom takes longer than impulse. God loves you. He speaks and he wants you to hear. Will you listen? Pray with me. Father, it is is an amazing and glorious truth that you want us to know you um, and that you are active and not just some ancient or distant being or deity, but that you have revealed yourself as our Father. Create in us, Lord, a longing to hear your voice. Not just so that you can answer questions and and we can advance our own causes, but give us a longing for you, for your presence, for your heart, for your truth, for your redemption of the world, for your work, for, for the praise of your people. Lord, give us a hunger for you. Speak to us, Lord, through your word, through your sacraments, through prayer, through the community, and give us ears to hear. And Lord, there are so many voices. Convict us where we are listening to other voices besides yours. And let us dedicate ourselves to your truth and your goodness and your holiness and the life that you offer through your word. Let us have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. And then as we hear, let us act. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, so that others may know your great and glorious name. Others may know the forgiveness offered through Jesus Christ and that your church may show forth your glory in every part of the world. And we do pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.